Hey, quick note before the podcast. We're testing out some video content. So make sure you search Joe Momo Presents on YouTube or go to the link in the description. Let me know what you guys think. All right, take care. Bye. Hey, what's up, podcast family? This week I talked to Heather Hearing. Heather is the vice chair of Platform Calgary and past chair of TechTerra. Heather is a professional engineer and proud alumna of the Hezekane School of Business. She is known for her ability to pinpoint the essential elements of an idea, business, challenge, or person and use her leadership, innovation, and management skills to identify opportunities for excellence. On the podcast, we talk about the unique components of a successful entrepreneur, the effects of COVID on the education system, the entrepreneurial community here in Calgary, and much, much more. Remember to rate and subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. You get awesome local leader and entrepreneur stories each week, jam-packed with their unique insights. Leave me feedback at joe at codessa.io on some of the stories or questions you want to hear. I read them all now to the podcast. Hope you guys enjoy. podcast heather thank you pleasure to be here today joe i'm really excited to have you on the podcast uh you're deep into the entrepreneur community here in calgary um you're also a uh president of a company yourself and i'm sure you have tons of great insights into business and entrepreneurship but uh before we get into all that good stuff how about you give us a little backstory of uh who heather is and what you're up to well i uh took engineering at school. I was the only woman in the entire class back uh, over 40 years ago. But it was an interesting time. Uh, I got offered work in Alberta uh, with, in the oil and gas industry and even had a raise before I started my first job. In fact, before I accepted the job, they gave me a raise. Times have certainly changed since then and we've seen lots of ups and downs. And it's, I think, a really exciting time for people now to explore new opportunities. Um, I went on and got my MBA because that was the dream all along. I wanted to go into, have my own business, go into entrepreneurship, but found myself chasing some other paths down uh, academia where I secured a bunch of grants for researchers and then went to work for a large international oil and gas company where I headed up their R&D group and got to meet a whole bunch of uh, entrepreneurs with technologies but no solutions and then became manager of innovation at a tiny company where I ended up with way more time to learn about uh, telling your story as an entrepreneur to an executive in a company or maybe I should say how not to do it <laughs> and when that company failed I thought oh probably the end of my career. We're in another downturn in this industry, but then I had a chance to go and work as an EIR in with Zone Startups Calgary and got to see 500 different companies and all of the companies we brought in are still viable and still going concerns. And two years ago, I left there and decided I just wanted a lot more freedom to talk to lots of different companies and get to pick who I wanted to talk to. So now I spend my time mostly pro bono, uh, giving what little advice I have to early stage, usually pre-revenue companies. And they range from artificial intelligence, ed tech, social enterprise, med tech, 
so, wow, just learning so much from such amazing people out there. That's really cool. Is there one that's really captured your imagination or ins really inspired you that you could share? Well, I got three favorites, of course. But <laughs> <laughs> the one I spent some time with today is uh, got a medtech uh, company, and they are using catalytic nanomedicine to heal diabetic ulcers. So, in their early stage clinical trials uh, with 62 patients, uh, unfortunately, only 55 of them completed the study because the re other seven said, I'm not making the trip to the hospital to complete the study. My foot's healed. So <laughs> all 62 patients that were, wow. some of which were scheduled for amputation, had their feet, uh, the wounds heal. So super excited to see if they can get this product to market and uh, see where they can take that. Oh, that's amazing. Um, like you mentioned, you're, you're, you're interacting with many successful uh, entrepreneurs, even um, ones that are currently building their business. Um, but from your perspective, Heather, what's, what would you say is a unique skill uh, that a successful entrepreneur like yourself um, has? Oh, I'm not sure I have this skill, but the ones that are successful is resilience. Mm -hmm. uh, I know we've just, as a whole global community, gone through or still going through a tough time with COVID. And yet these entrepreneurs are upbeat every single day. If, today's product isn't the right answer for the market, they are thinking about how to shift and how to pivot either the product or the way they offer it and always striving to be better. And with passion and with uh, enthusiasm, I just, it's so awesome to talk to those people. Mm. Yeah, speaking of resilience, um, obviously, like you mentioned, um, you need to have resilience when you're uh, doing st great stuff like building a business, but uh, Currently, with everybody um, kind of going through the pandemic, uh, for you, Heather, what's been kind of the biggest challenges, uh, personally or professionally, uh, due to the pandemic? Uh, you know, I think maybe one of the biggest challenges is even being distanced from family. Um, my parents are in their late 80s, so I haven't traveled to see them. My daughter-in-law works in the healthcare sector, so she's being cautious about seeing family. Um, another daughter, also in the healthcare sector, but she finds it very hard to be working from home all the time. She uh, is an extrovert, and the isolation of being home is really challenging. Yeah. So I think it's all those social connections. We're meant to be together. Zoom's great, but we don't get the whole picture <laughs> we get ahead we don't get all the body language <laughs> exactly <laughs> but i'll tell you it's way better to telecommute with zoom than it was when i first telecommuted in 1988. oh yeah <laughs> i'm sure much 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 slower uh, internet uh, connection <laughs> yeah 1200 baud line i don't know if i could do the math to how many multiples that we're now dealing with <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, that's funny um, yeah, one thing I wanted to touch on was you mentioned work from home, and that's obviously a big uh, staple in a lot of people's uh, work life right now. Um, but for you personally, how have you managed to separate work from home? <laughs> so. You know what? I've never been good at it, and it's something I've asked a lot of people. And there are um, two people that I know. Do you know? I don't know if you know Terra Hub. They're a local startup in the blockchain space. 
and the co-founders are a married couple. This is their second business together. And that was the question I put to Elena. How do you make it work? And she told me pre-COVID, they had hard and fast rules that they quit at seven o'clock. They didn't talk business after that. And business had to stay away from home. So now I said, well, what's it like during COVID, right? You're not going to an office. She says, well, we've designated two spaces for work. We try and stick to the rule. At seven o'clock, we join hands and we walk over to our pantry to decide what we're having for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> so you really have to make that conscious effort. And I think it's super important to uh, play hard and work hard. Uh, not that easy to do, but you do need to take time for yourself because sometimes it's those moments that you have that pivotal thought, that inspiration. It's not always sitting in front of the computer screen or working working through the, the challenge. It's sometimes letting your mind work on it subconsciously. Absolutely. And I love that. Um, sometimes the best places to get inspiration is just going for a walk and getting your mind off things. And that's usually when you're like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> well, it's why they talk about um, cross-fertilization um, cross of ideas. The universities really worked at it uh, because they know that when you bring different disciplines together, really cool things happen. Um, for example, stem cells. The medical profession understood about it, but they couldn't get them to grow until they met a chemical engineer who understood reactor design. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, one question I did want to ask you, Heather. Uh, obviously, you've, again, interacted with many entrepreneurs. Uh, but for you personally, what's kind of been the biggest resource of help um, that's really helped you along your way and uh, your path? It's other people. Um, it's really when I, I, I guess I got really fortunate. I stood out, of course, as the only female engineer. Uh, so got some pretty cool opportunities, possibly because I was female. I'd like to think it's because I was talented, but whatever. Uh, when I went to work at the university, and I did that actually, just to volunteer when I first started out. But when I finally got a contract there, it was working for the um, Dean of Engineering at the time, Chan Wurisinghe, and he was a very hands-off uh, manager. So anything that related to that product project that I was on was my responsibility. And he turned to me for advice and, and so on. And having those kinds of opportunities working for people were pretty amazing. Um, when I was at Total, I'm sure the CEO was instrumental in seeing me see, have three or four promotions in 18 months, rising from just a lead to the head of R&D and technology qualifications there. So it's the people along the way that give you advice, that uh, give you feedback, that look out for you. Um, today we think mentors are assigned to us, but uh, uh, when I look, when I first realized, uh, you know, oh, wow, nobody ever assigned me a mentor. And then I looked back and I went, oh, my word, there's so many in your life. And my advice is don't wait for them to come and say that they've been assigned to you. Go and find the people that are going to make a difference for you. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, no, finding a mentor is always something I talk to my peers about and other people about. And it's always an interesting topic of how do you find a mentor and 
um, what are the best ways to find a mentor? Um, I have my own opinions, but I'm curious, uh, Heather, how do you, how would you go about, like you mentioned, reaching out and finding that mentor that really adds value to, to your path? You know, you have another question here, Joe, and I'm just going to kind of partially jump into that, which is, uh, what have you been looking at that's kind of, um, I think it's, what am I reading that has inspired you? And it kind of ties right back into what we're currently talking about, which, it, so the book is No Easy Day, and it, it's actually a military story, but the soldier in the story talks about his mother all the time. And he says, she said to him, people want to help, just tell them how they can help. And I think there's a really meaningful message in that. So as you're going to look for a mentor, you're looking for somebody that has some experience that you wanna know about, uh, that you admire. And so reach out and ask, ask for what you want and what you need. And conversely, as your, um, when you offer your help, try and offer specific help. Don't mm. say, I'm happy to help you, but could I help you with, do you need an introduction to so-and-so? Would you like, you know, in today, today, I mean, I offered help. Would you like me to pick up your groceries? Because I know how to order them online. Maybe you don't, you know? Uh, so <laughs> be specific on your app, uh, what you're offering and what you're able to deliver, but also what you're looking for. Exactly. No, I love that. I think being upfront and transparent on how you can help or even what you'd love to get help on, I think that would be super, um, I guess, helpful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just helpful for everybody, yeah, right? Helpful, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, you, you mentioned uh, you've been in the... Yes, space for the last uh, couple decades or so. Um, I'm curious from your perspective, Heather, how has um, Calgary or even entrepreneurship uh, evolved from when you first started to, to now? Oh, it's amazing because I had some ideas 20, 30 years ago that I wanted to pursue. And I think there's a couple of really big things that have changed. Either I was unaware of the services available, but I suspect the services and the support weren't there to the amount of support that's out there now to help people actually understand what needs to be done and how to go forward. Um, if, you're, if you've got that idea and you're looking for uh, some advice on what's the next step, where do you go from here, even how to find a co-founder, because I think uh, that, that would have made a huge difference in my life is finding a co-founder, somebody that was um, more risk uh, uh, tolerant than I am. <laughs> <So> <laughs> that might have helped me make that jump. And I think that's there today. I also think one of the things that Alberta totally has going for it is we're an incredibly educated uh, uh, population and uh, we need to we need to find other things to do today. We're not going to be landing uh, jobs where someone tells you how to do it. You're going to have to take the initiative and go out and make your own future. And there are people who want to help, organizations that are set up specifically for that, and some of the best government grants in the entire country, and in fact, worldwide. Mm, wow, absolutely. And kind of speaking on that, uh, maybe let's take a little step back. And for the people that don't know, uh, you mentioned that you're part of Platform Calgary. Um, yes. and that, for me personally, that's a great organization. I love uh, what uh, you guys are doing there with the whole um, entrepreneur and founding 
um, uh, info you guys put out there, but uh, from maybe from your words, what's, uh, what's uh, Platform Calgary and what, what are you guys currently up to? Well, the thing I think we're really known for right now is we're building a building. And today, wow, that just looks like, wow, what kind of decision was that with, that the board made? But <laughs> of course it was pre-COVID, but not uh, pre-empty office space downtown. But you know, you, it's around the collisions that you make and the connections you make. And um, Platform really felt there was a need for that kind of space where we could bring together uh, everybody in the ecosystem to help entrepreneurs advance. And that includes each other as a peer to peer. It includes funding agencies, includes service kinds of organizations, which are accountants and lawyers. It, it even includes the need, uh, the corporate innovation hubs or corporate uh, outposts, sometimes they're called, where they're working on innovation, but they don't always do it inside. They might be just framing what the problem is and looking outward to founders. So um, I think those are the, I see platform working all the way from the very early idea stage companies, then as they launch and as they grow and then they scale, but they're also working from the top down with the corporations for them to understand how to source innovation either internally or externally and then they want to bring in that whole funding component because of course we need money to make these things realities. So it's, it's a pretty exciting time for us. Um, Terry Rock calls it the hub of hubs. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure I quite understand what that means some days, but. Uh, <laughs> it's there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, but there's a lot of, it, it's the connectivity that we need to have between all of these kinds of organizations that are out there. Absolutely. Yeah, I remember, I guess, pre-COVID, I remember going to a few of uh, your guys' events, and yeah, the, the people involved are all amazing people, and I think, uh, yeah, anything to do, I guess, people listening, or um, even myself, anything we can do to push forward the organization and the mission, I think that's uh, a really great thing for Calgary and Alberta in general. Well, I think what everybody can do is check out platform and when they need something ask for it because I think there's a commitment to helping you find it. Absolutely. That's awesome. Um, just want to quickly switch gears. Uh, I'm curious. Well, I'm curious to know what you're curious about Heather. <laughs> it could be personally, it could be professionally, uh, but what's kind of been on your mind lately and something that you're trying to wrap your head around. So one of the things that's really interested me for a very long time is the future of education. So back in about 2003, I told some of the C-suite at the University of Calgary that buildings were going to disappear and we were going to have virtual classrooms. Well, they laughed at me. Um, I think they got about 48 hours to stand up virtual classrooms uh, this, this year. So they finally got themselves there. But it's the entire future of education and where is that going to go? Um, and I was really fortunate to be invited to be part of a global discussion pre-COVID. And it was absolutely fascinating for it to take place post-COVID because the planning had happened prior to COVID, talking about where education needs to go. And we're, every year there are more and more children going to school. And we, are, we have to figure out how to personalize that. We all learn differently. 
and we need to learn to be um, critical thinkers. We need to be creative in what we do and we need to be collaborative. And I'm super interested to see how we can uh, change education. And I think COVID actually gives us an amazing opportunity to rethink it because otherwise it's such a big bureaucracy, we're not going to get there. This isn't about learning to skills or facts anymore. Those are in our pockets. Uh, kids from very early grades are carrying around a supercomputer and they don't need to know how to multiply. They need to know why you would multiply. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I love that. Think more on problem solving and understanding the concepts rather than the actual uh, memorizing. And um, yeah, I think that's, that's fascinating. Do you think, I, I know nobody's really Nostradamus, but uh, do you think um, how education is being delivered today during COVID is gonna persist after COVID? I think there are people that are going to totally change how they think about education. 40% um, of the parents in Ontario are concerned about sending their kids back to school and are seriously can think, thinking of not doing it. Um, some parents are thinking of creating a, uh, a group. We call them all sorts of different COVID kinds of clusters, but whatever. And actually, thinking about it almost like a one-room schoolroom. They're gonna hire our teacher and they're going to get together and there'll be 10 kids and they'll share the cost of the teacher. Wow. And just, you know, it's a different way of thinking about it. And I'm not sure that it's all bad because if you, I think about how it was when my son went through grade six and they didn't, he had done grade five in a private school and they did social studies exactly like I did social studies. Here's a question and here's a line to put the answer on it. And he learned to just write bigger. That way you don't have to give very much information. <laughs> in the public school system, at least the school he was in, they would write the question on the blackboard. And if he wrote big, they would tell him to turn the page over and keep writing. And then they would give him another sheet of paper. So he couldn't get away with giving a lazy answer. If you were not as fluent in English, perhaps, or as fluent in the subject, then they might have a lower expectation. And I think you can teach so many subjects that way. And that the expectation is set by the student's capabilities rather than the grade point. And so, um, I, I, I don't know, I just, it, it, worked, it worked 100 years ago. Maybe it's gonna work tomorrow. Mm. And, yeah. But it's really going to change kids. It has to change kids because they now have to get more self-motivated. And I, one of the things my daughter said to me is her kids went through Montessori, and so they're self-motivated to learn. They, they started that right early on. They didn't have troubles shifting to online school where there was a lot of self-motivation. Uh, some of their peers had a lot of trouble. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. You have, to, you have to adapt. And even going back to that resilience piece, you have to keep uh, adapting and learning uh, new, new technologies, new concepts, and just new methods. And yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, but one thing I did want to ask, uh, though, was kind of going back to the entrepreneur space, because uh, <laughs> we have a lot of people listening that are entrepreneurs yes. or aspiring entrepreneurs. And one thing I, I, I would kick myself if I didn't ask you was, um, you, you mentioned business model validation. 
how does one go about validating their business model when they build their MVP, their, their prototype, when you know that, okay, I have, I have something that's, uh, that's uh, ready? Well, I think you got to go out and talk to that customer, right? Mm -hmm. And you really super have to think about it from the customer's perspective. I looked at um, a, some information today about like a company sent me their deck on something and I was looking at it and I'm going, you're telling me the value proposition for the customer of the customer. So the person that they want to sell to is not has a different value proposition than that person will sell to. So you really have to sit there and you have to think about it. Do I really care about this? Is that going to be of value to your customer? And you have to express it in a way that it's worth taking the risk. So, oh, for a lot of things, it's not worth it if it's only gonna save me 10%. Mm. The risk is too high. So other times, it, it matters if it's 1% because it's 1% times a lot, but you really need to put that hat on and you need to be sitting there as the customer. Is this important to them? Yeah, absolutely. Almost reverse engineering. Would this make a difference in the lives of my customers? Is this something they're going to value and outweigh the risks of switching to your product or service? I'm going to, um, Gandeepan used to work for GE. He's now, I believe, now working at WestJet. Well, I don't know with WestJet, but anyway, <laughs> <laughs> that's where he moved from, okay? And Gandeepan used to head the Calgary Innovation Center for GE. And he used to say, you need to find a problem where the customer is bleeding from the neck. And when you tell them your solution, they pull out their checkbook. And some of your listeners may not even know what a check is anymore. But anyway, <laughs> uh, they pull out their checkbook and they say, how many zeros for that solution? And I thought, oh, well, nobody ever does that. And I'll tell you, I know of a company that tried to sell their product. They did not put on their customer hat. They could not sell their product. They found a different vertical. And they, in the new vertical, the customer actually said to them, that's not enough money. We need to, we're going to up it 50% because we want you to deliver the solution. Wow. Well, that's, that's powerful stuff. That, I love that analogy. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> you really, you really need to understand that you're solving a customer's problem at a price point that matters to them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, only a few more questions here for you, Heather. Uh, I don't want to keep you too long. Um, <laughs> One question I always love to ask people, uh, maybe it's a little tricky, I don't know, but uh, what's one question that you never get asked that you wish you would be asked? What did I learn from my children? Oh, okay. So what I suppose you'd like to know the answer, right? <laughs> yeah, please tell me the answer. <laughs> <laughs> so my, my daughter is uh, a big uh, a social activist or promoter. And so she really helps me see things from a different perspective, both from societally and environmentally. And that, that's had a big impact on my life. Um, and, and then my son, well, he loved to debate everything. And so I, I did learn to become a better debater. But one of the other really super interesting things about him was that as a teenager, he spent the equivalent of one third of the entire year gaming. 
I think he was supposed to be in school for that third, but whatever. And so I sat back and I looked at what it was all about. And he learned to, as a teenager, he had to apply for a job. He rose up in the ranks of one of these multi-player um, games. Uh, they planned strategy. They planned communication. He worked across time zones, cultures, languages. Uh, who doesn't want that person on their team today? So be open. Look at what your kids are learning. Maybe it's something you need to learn. Absolutely. I'm not at the stage yet to have kids, but I definitely will implement that once I do. <laughs> do another does. Learn from your kids. <laughs> uh, no, it's been a pleasure to talk to you, Heather. I really appreciate you being on the podcast. Where can our listeners connect with you online? LinkedIn. That's the best way. LinkedIn. Perfect. I'll, yep. uh, I'll add your LinkedIn description to the uh, podcast episode. Okay, um, thanks. Yeah, so how I usually like to end the podcast is I like the guests to pose a question or a phrase or even a story to end the, the interview. So my, my, my last question to you, Heather, is uh, do you have any questions or quotes or a story to leave us? I'll leave your, your listeners with one thought. Okay. When you talk to somebody and you say you have an idea, the natural response is to come back and tell if I say I have an idea, they tell me why it's wrong, why it won't work. But if I tell you I have an idea fragment, I'm inviting you to have a discussion with me and help me build out that fragment into something bigger. So I encourage you to tell people you've got an idea fragment and to help them grow your idea into uh, something viable. That's awesome, Heather. Thanks so much. Thank you.